for sure, man. I think I think for me, the way that I got over it is a couple of things. The first thing is realizing that the message needs to be more important than the fear that it comes with. So I'll give an example with me just to paint the picture. I was a 22-year-old kid when I started Mass Talk Ezekiel. I was 22. I had, no, I didn't, I had an accounting background of all things. Right? I, I didn't have a PhD in communication. I just had a few years of experience in comms. And I just said, oh, I'll, I'm the person to make YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, I lay on the scale. You got to glow. got to glow. How's it? Welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Gather podcast. I'm your host Zeke, and in this episode, I have Brandon Kosamin to speak about public speaking and his YouTube channel, Master Talk. You can find more information about his YouTube channel by clicking the link in the description below. I take a content warning, finish sure our name is used in this episode, and hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be on, Ezekiel. Thanks for having me. No problem. So you can start by introducing yourself to the get to the um audience, and then we go to questions from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. So my name is Brandon Kumar Sami. I'm the founder of Master Talk. Master Talk is a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. And I also have a communication practice where I train a lot of executives to become top one percent communicators in their industry. Nice, nice. And what would you say is your origin story? How'd you like to represent it? Yeah, absolutely. So my origin story, Ezekiel, started when I was five years old. I was born and raised in a city called Montreal in Canada. Montreal is a city that you need to know how to speak French, but I didn't know the language. So my parents looked at me one day and they said, well, you need to know the language. So we're going to send you to French school. So my whole life, not only did I struggle with communication, I had to present in a language I didn't even know. So I struggled a lot to share ideas. And I also have a crooked left arm, so that didn't help either. So I definitely had a lot of challenges growing up when it comes to communication. But then when I got to business school, I went to university. I started doing these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing rugby or baseball or basketball, some other sport I probably wouldn't play, I did presentations competitively. That's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older... I started coaching people who were younger than me, and I realized while I was coaching them that everything I was sharing wasn't available for free on the internet. So I started making videos in my mom's basement a few years ago, and then the YouTube channel kind of blew up, and the rest is history. Nice. nice. And how would you like to represent that story? Would you make a book, a series, anything? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the the story that that I share, you know, what for me, there's a definitely a lot of representations i see i mean podcasting is definitely one of those mediums uh, i could see a video being made i could see a documentary <laughs> being made at some point too probably about how this crazy kid uh in his mom's basement went on to uh, went on to teach so many people about communication i think that'd be fascinating nice nice and i guess you're from there because art so when so were you always a good communicator or did you have to like really practice I had to really practice, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big believer in what Kevin Durant talks about, you know, what talent beats heart, sorry, hard work beats talent. When talent fails to work hard, I'm probably the best example of this. I probably had some natural talent, but a lot of it was really practice. Think of it like this, Ezekiel, when I was in university slash college, the three years that I was there, it's like I learned 30 years of communication in three. I mean, I was practicing almost every day, my presentations. It's kind of like the NBA. It's like the business Olympic Games, right? You're going up against some of the best speakers in the world. 
So you're, you're always practicing, you're always working on it. So that's, I really refined my gift. And that's why I'm a big believer that any human being can be a great communicator. They just got to follow the principles and do the right strategies to get there. And in that practice, what was kind of like some of the challenges that you face while like learning how to communicate? Oh yeah. I mean, a ton. I mean, the one was definitely the French second language. The second piece was around the fact that I had an oversized suit. Like I didn't have a lot of money when I got to business school. So my, I still had my, my suit from prom. It was like really big and I didn't know how to tie a tie. So that, that was pretty bad as well. I definitely, you know, my left arm being crooked gave me a lot of insecurity growing up. Those are some challenges. And then some other challenges after when I started Master Talk, I had this brilliant idea. And by brilliant, I'm, I'm being sarcastic here, where I, I had the idea of sending my videos to university professors. I, I was thinking that, hey, wait, we didn't have these resources when we were in school. Wouldn't these professors want these resources for the students? And I sent 50,000 emails and I got slapped in the face every single email. They didn't want nothing to do with me, even if it was free resource and it was helping people. So yeah, definitely a lot of challenges along the way, man. But I think what I always, always like to say is your vision needs to be bigger than the challenges that they come with. You need to be really passionate about the end game and that's how you get to the end game. Yeah, after 50,000, I think most people would give up. But you know what? Maybe it's the same thing. Like, this is a good sample, a good enough sample size to get give up. Absolutely, man. I mean, I was stubborn. I think I'll, <laughs> I'll give my younger self credit. I mean, that's that's the thing. I, sh- I should have just stopped after 500 emails and tried a different strategy. Like, if I'd sent 50,000 emails to podcast hosts, I mean, my YouTube channel would be at a whole other level right now. But I didn't, I didn't even know you could guess on a podcast back then. So this is not something I thought of. Nice. And so how are these competitions? Is it just like there's a case study and then everybody has to like pretty much present the best ideas or answers? You got it. And let me add more granularity there. So think, think of it like this. Let's say Mike, Nike comes up to us and says, hey, Ezekiel, Brendan, I'm releasing this new shoe, but I don't know what color it should be and what country I should release it in first. What should I do? Let's, let's a go to market strategy case. So essentially what a bunch of these 20-year-old kids would do from across the world is they'd be given like a 20-page document explaining the company, what they do, the history, and the problem. And we have to come together and figure out a solution to that case. And then through that solution and through what we come up with, we then pitch it back to a team of executives and whoever has the best presentation wins. That's how this works. That's how the case competition world is, is operated. So essentially, all of these all of these kids, a lot of us would compete because a lot of these executives would hire out of these competitions. They would hire the best students and give them jobs. So that's essentially what the framework was. So we'd get put into these three-hour rooms with no internet and two laptops, and we'd be thrown a 20-page document, and we have to solve everything in three hours. And at the end of that three hours, we have to get out of the room and present directly to the judges. So it's quite intense, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, this is similar to how similar to like a marketing, have a marketing or advertising um doc, and then you have to figure out what's the best um practice. I can see that. Absolutely. So yeah. And when you're speaking, how does it do you feel anything or are you just in the motion? Do I feel anything or am I in the motion? That's yeah. interesting. Uh, I would say for me, when it comes to communication. I, I definitely think about it. Like I definitely process my thoughts a lot, but definitely when I get into it, like the communication I'm doing with you right now, I don't think too much about it. I just kind of let it flow. 
as as it goes and we figure it out as we go but i definitely think that that comes with time yeah. so for example the reason i'm fluent fluid rather with with the way that i answer questions it's because I've done this a lot. Like the first couple of interviews, my God, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, people would ask me questions. It's so weird because somebody you've never met before has done a lot of homework on you and start asking questions about your life. And you're like, okay, shouldn't we go on a date first? Like what's going on here? <laughs> so it was, it was really uh, intimidating at the beginning, but I got used to it. You, you just got to change the way that you show up. If you talk to somebody in the way that I'm talking to you right now, Ezekiel, like an old friend, then that's, that, that's the energy, that's the environment that'll be created in that conversation. Definitely for me, it's like a time if I were a friend, I don't really feel anything, it's just going with emotion. But like if I'm like, like presenting, then I feel something. Cause I guess I'm like really focused on like making sure the information is um like given out. So like I feel it, like I feel like myself is thinking about it when I present. Mm, love that. And so when you started your channel, did you have any idea or was it just like let me just figure this out. I mean, definitely both in many ways. So essentially what happened to Ezekiel was I'd lighted my dream job in corporate a few months before graduating. And it was probably like December, 2018. And at this point, I'd accidentally gotten really good at communication coaching because I coached like 60 people in the last three years, 60, 75 or something on how to communicate effectively, mostly for free because the people in the competition programs. And it was December, and one of the students was sitting me down. We were just talking, and he asked me this question I didn't really have an answer to. And the question was, how did you learn how to speak? And I went, huh, what do you mean? He's like, well, where did you learn all of this? And I didn't really have a good answer to it, Ezekiel. I didn't have a lot of money. I never hired a coach, never did Toastmasters. I was pretty broke. So I didn't really know. And he said, well, come on, Brendan. Did you like watch YouTube videos? Did you listen to podcasts? What did you do? Did you read a book? And I was like, YouTube videos? Why would anyone watch that? And he said, yeah, a lot of people do that. It's like how-to videos. So to, to get a kick out of it, I just started watching a few of these videos myself to see what was out there. And boy, was I horrified. I was absolutely horrified by what I saw. It was a bunch of old white dudes who sharing advice that didn't make any sense. Like, be yourself or get up on stage. And I was like, this, this doesn't make any sense. It's like complete nonsense. This is not going to help people. So I just got really frustrated, man. That's what led to the YouTube channel start. I literally started my YouTube channel right there on a couch in my mother's basement, where I'm still coming to you live, by the way. And I, and I took out my phone and I just started making videos. And I had no clue what I was doing. But I think what made me successful was I really cared. I really cared about helping other people. And because of that, I didn't guess. I went to the three people and yeah, it was just three people who were watching the YouTube channel at the time. And I just asked them, what do you think is missing? What topics do you want to see? And then one of them just said, hey, why don't you break down different speakers techniques? And I was like, huh, I probably should have thought of that one. That makes sense. So the key is not to guess, brother, right? The key is really just to ask the questions. So I just kept asking questions. I kept getting real dinners, not like fake dinners, not Zoom calls, like actual dinners. I would sit these people down and just go like, what do you think's missing? What, do, what can I make this better? And I would just listen and make the content better and better and better. And then the YouTube channel kind of took a form of its own over time. Mm -hmm. And I definitely see like there's a different like a style with your videos and very consistent style. How did you pick that style? 
I mean, you know, my opinion on style, Ezekiel, I always like to say, I don't think there's a right style. I mean, there's a lot of introverted content creators on YouTube who crush me, like who are way more successful than me. Roberta Blake's a great example of that. He's like completely opposite of I, me, right? Lana Blakely as well, right? Lacole LaPera, like these, these YouTube content creators have much lot more sup- subscribers than I do, but they're super introverted whenever they communicate. Like Roberta, when he talks on the camera, he doesn't go, bah, what's up, guys? No, he's like, hey, guys, so today we're going to go through YouTube strategy. Like, you know, it's just completely different vibe. So I don't think there's a right answer in terms of style. But what I will say is your style can never be chosen. It could only be built over time. So you can't just sit there in front of a camera and go, this is my style. No, you just need to do it 100 times and your style develops over time. And I'm a great example of this, whether it's me, Marcus Brownlee, any other YouTuber, just go watch the first video. I mean, Marcus is a great example of this. He's literally some 15-year-old kid. He looks like some dumb nerd who's like playing with this little gadget. And now look at him. He's got like a million-dollar setup. And and same thing with me. I don't have a million-dollar setup. But like when I start, <laughs> I definitely don't. Uh, I, I pay a lot of money for my setup, but it's definitely not a million. But anyways, when, when, I was, when I was starting, I mean, I just had a phone. That's all I could afford, right? So I, I was just making videos with this. I wasn't even editing anything, but I kept getting better on camera every single week. I just kept getting better and better and better. And eventually, after a year, I had saved up a lot of money for my corporate career, and I just hired my best friend, and he just made me go pro. Nice. Right. Using your resources, definitely. It's a major key. Absolutely. Yeah. And shout out to our mom, Crips. Probably in our first places, our first studios. What did you say? Shout out to our mom, Cribs, for being, for being the first studios. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and you say, oh, you say multiple times you have been like yeah, insecurities. So how did you like get over those insecurities? Yeah, for sure, man. I think, I think for me, the way that I got over it is a couple of things. The first thing is realizing that the message needs to be more important than the fear that it comes with. So I'll give an example with me just to paint the picture. I was a 22-year-old kid when I started Mass Talk Ezekiel. I was 22. I had, no, I, didn't, I had an accounting background, of all things. Right? I, I didn't have a PhD in communication. I just had a few years of experience in comms. And I just said, oh, I'm the person to make YouTube videos on this. How did that happen? Right? And I coached people, by the way, who had worked longer than their companies than I've been alive in many cases. How does any of this make sense? How did I build up the, the confidence to push through the insecurities at the beginning? The way that I did this, man, was by realizing the following. You can't get rid of the fear. It's not possible. Even for somebody like me, there's always levels for me that I would be afraid. Let's say we're, well, I don't know, we're eating lunch together and somebody calls me. And let's say that person is Elon Musk. And he says the following. Hey, Brendan, we're really liking your YouTube videos. You have some great content. Can you coach me tomorrow? I'll pay you a million bucks. Would I shit my pants? Absolutely. Like there's no, there's no level where I wouldn't be afraid of that. Like I'd be like, oh my God, like what am I supposed to do? A 24-hour notice, I have to fly out tomorrow. Like what? Right. So we're all scared of at some level. I think it's more about fear versus message. Let's imagine a boxing ring for a second, Ezekiel. Let's say one side of the ring is the fear, anxiety, stress. I don't want to do it. I don't have to do it. And then the other side is the message. Why is it important for us to share this? Why does it matter for people? The goal is not for the fear to leave the ring. 
The goal is to make sure that when your fear and your message meet in the middle of that boxing match, that your message gets the win, that your message gets the knockout punch. It's not about removing the fear. It's about beating it. And the same thing with me. How did I beat my fear? Yeah, sure. Was I scared of my executive clients at the beginning? Absolutely. I mean, not so much anymore. But I was more worried about the 15-year-old girl who couldn't afford a communication coach, about the 13-year-old kid in high school who doesn't have a lot of money, who's being raised by a single mother, who doesn't, can't like access a communication coach. And I realized, Ezekiel, that I was the only human being on earth who could literally do this or who was willing to do this. Because I was young enough and I had a lot of skill in this domain. So if I didn't make this YouTube videos, who else will? And the answer was no one. So when I realized that, I said, you know what? I got some insecurities, but those insecurities don't even compare to how much the world needs this information. So I might as well knock that sucker out and get it done. And so I did. (laughs) If, If not me, who else? Absolutely. And when you're speaking with people, how is like coaching them? What's like the first step? Yeah, man, the first step is this question. A question that not a lot of us think about, brother. And the question is, how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Let me repeat that one again. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? So many of us, brother, we dream about our vacations, right? The video games we want to buy, the expensive things we want to get, the big cars, the big Ferraris. What was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? Never. Because communication is littered with negativity, stress, and fear. Whereas my perspective is, wait a second, let's focus on the positivity. Don't just write that question down, actually reflect on it. Because communication has so many benefits to get us excited about it. Being bigger on a podcast, increasing downloads, creating impact, uh, speaking on the stage, building relationships, making new friends, building better uh, family bonds, making more money at work, getting the next sale in business. There's so many benefits. Figure out which is the one you want the most and write it down on a piece of paper. That's the first piece. Because when you're not excited, if you don't have a motivation to do something, you're not going to implement any of the tactics. So it's important to get excited. That's step number one, Ezekiel. Step number two is now that we have that burning desire, the next step is momentum. How do we create that spark? How do we get someone really, really excited about communication? The best way to do that is to get them to master one exercise. And that exercise is the random word exercise. All you got to do, Ezekiel, pick a random word, like phone, like screen, like headset, like wall, like white, and create presentations out of thin air. And once you create these presentations out of thin air, the first 10 times you'll do it, you'll suck. You'll be like, man, this sucks. But if you do it 100 times, if you do it 75 times, if you do it 10 times or even 20 times, you'll get better a lot faster. But here's the thing, Ezekiel. It doesn't take that long to do it 100 times. It takes like two hours. So once you're done and you look at your 100th time, you're going to be like, oh, my God, my 100th time was way better than the first time. So this is definitely something I can master. So the second piece is momentum. And then the last piece is consistency. I might have said the random word exercise, Ezekiel, but let me tell you, less than 1% of the people listening to this right now 
actually booked in 15 minutes in their calendar tomorrow to just try out the exercise. Be the 1% who does. Writing it on a piece of paper won't get you anywhere. It's about doing the thing. It's not about thinking about being a podcast host. It's about doing it in the same way you're doing it right now. Yeah. You can't even think for so long to you say, you know what? It's not going to get done if we don't do it. Absolutely, man. And with since your journey, you started coaching and then you started on the YouTube channel. Is there another step you want to go to? Yeah, so I would say uh, the, the, the next step after that was turning it into a business. So the first nine months, I didn't worry too much about turning into a business, not because I couldn't make money. It was because I was already doing well financially in corporate. So I wasn't worried too much about it. But then a few months went by, I went to Lewis House's event. He's like a podcaster in Columbus, Ohio. He's, he's like in the middle of nowhere. And I went there and I met my business partner there. And he's the one who encouraged me to take this more seriously. Hey, you should really invest money into the YouTube channel. You should really start targeting executives. You should start like coaching them so you can get the results. And I never really thought about doing that before. I was kind of like, okay. And then after trying multiple different strategies, I was able to replace my income and go full-time into entrepreneurship. So that was the last piece where now I spend 100% of my time building the foundations of what Master Talk could be in the future. And that was the final transition. And that was the hardest decision of my life, honestly, Ezekiel. Quitting my corporate job, really tough. I didn't want to do it because I'd spent my whole life trying to get it, right? And, and leaving that for, for greater pastors was definitely the hardest decision I've ever made. Yeah, definitely can see that. And would you say that was harder? So that's just the hardest. What kind of was like the thing that made you really choose it? Yeah, man. I think for me it was purpose. Purpose in the sense there's a book I read called Thirst by Scott Harrison. And in the book, there's this quote, Ezekiel. The quote says, the goal is not to live forever, but rather create something that will. And when I heard that quote, I asked myself a very serious question, which is, is what I'm doing something that's going to last forever? And the answer was definitely not. This is not something that's going to last forever. Yeah, I could be an executive, but a thousand million people have done this before me. And there's a thousand million people who'll do this after me. And that's really the key is I noticed what the gift that I had in communication and sharing ideas. And I said, am I really going to just hide from master talk? Or am I really going to share my gift with the world in a powerful way and leave a powerful legacy? And that's what it led me to, man. I just realized time is more important than money. Yeah. We can make money all the time. We can make money anytime. We just got to know how to manage it properly, know how to execute it. But time, you can't buy that shit back. You only got a set number of years on you. We don't know how long it is. It could be 50 years. It could be five years. It could be 75 years. No one really knows. So now that we know that time is the most important asset, this is where we have the most energy right in our 20s and 30s. How are we going to use that energy? Because it's priceless. And that's when I made the decision, especially when I realized also that I could go back to corporate if I wanted to, but I, I don't. And I don't think I ever will. A lot of people who leave corporate say that. I'm in early in my career, so I'll see. Don't, don't get me wrong, Ezekiel. Yeah. I, I think corporate is great. I think I think corporate gets a bad rep. I personally really like my nine to five. 
I know a lot of people don't say that. They go, oh my God, my job is draining, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't like people like that. Like for me, it was, yeah, it was challenging. It wasn't easy, my work. That's how I was getting paid good money. Like I was working like 70 hours a week. Like it was not an easy job. But I think what I would say, brother, is corporate is a way out. You know, statistically speaking, most people should be employees. They shouldn't be entrepreneurs. The only reason I accidentally became one was because I my gift just happens to sell really well on the market. Like people pay good money for a communication coach. So I was able to turn into a business, but that was never intentional. That was completely accidental, right? And I think that's the point I want to drive is, and this is my advice to people, side hustle comfortably. Like just don't move out, like stay with your mom, stay with your parents, keep your expenses low, make 70, 80 grand in a corporate job, 50 grand, whatever the number is, and keep most of the money. And, and that gives you freedom, which is freedom that most people, most people don't have. And the freedom is the freedom to think, to reflect on life, to ask yourself what the meaning is. And that's what my corporate job gave me. I was in poverty literally the day before I started at IBM. And then the, literally two weeks after when I got my first paycheck, boom, I was like the big, a millionaire in my eyes. It wasn't a million bucks, obviously. I felt like a millionaire. So when I don't worry about paying the groceries anymore, then I start thinking about the real game to life. And then I made the right decisions for it. Cool. And when you're coaching, do you from like executives to like students, is there a difference between them or like a lot of the same problems occurring? Yeah, for sure, man. So definitely the same problem, surprisingly. I think the only difference between students and executives that I think is worth mentioning is students are a lot more open-minded. Unfortunately, I don't coach a lot of students like I used to because they just can't afford a communication coach. But definitely students are way easier to get a result for because they just are open. You know, they're young. They want to get the lessons out. And they also respect me a lot more, right? Because I'm older than they are. Like, you know, they might be 20. I might be 20. I'm 26 currently. My executives, I love them to death, but a lot of them are really close-minded. You know, they're like, oh, like, uh, I don't know if I could do this. It's like decades of limiting beliefs that we have to unlearn. And I could still get the result for them really quickly, but that's the only result, the difference. Students get results in like five seconds, literally, and executives, it takes like, you know, a, two, a week or two. I can see that. It's just practice. Like, as younger, you're, you're, still, you're still in a learning mode of constantly learning. So, like, hey, this might as well try something. And then when your executive is more like, now, what's the best practice? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I encourage everyone, like me, even when I'm 50 years old, I'll still have the same. That's the That's what I want, is I want the same learning mindset that I have right now in this life. But you're right, a lot of people, they get comfortable as they get older and they don't have the same hunger, the same willingness to learn that they used to, for sure, brother. Cool. And with all of this, before we talk about the challenges, so what's like the um, positives and like stuff that keeps you going when you're doing this? Yeah, man. I think for me, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that keep me going. Family, friends, support group. But I'd say the biggest one is my shit's actually helping people, man. I think that's the biggest thing. And, and I didn't have that validation the first six months, but now I know what I do works. Like it really helps people. You know, I get messages all the time of people being fearful of communication and they start watching my videos and they have a lot more confidence. They have a lot more energy. 
and it's I'm all, and, and they always tell me how clear I am with the way that I teach knowledge. So, so that alone keeps me going because it shows me that I have a very unique contribution to the world that I can deliver that most people, you know, can't really, don't really have yet or haven't found yet. So, so having that is a big gift that I can't take for granted. Got it. And on your YouTube channel, you had different series. Did the series come over time and then you kind of, it was able to characterize them? You got it. That great, great question about the series, actually. So the 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 strategies with YouTube, Ezekiel, I actually write my content years in advance. So I'm currently writing 2024, and we're currently taping this in what? In May 2022. So I'm currently 19 months ahead of my content strategy. That's why my, my content is esoteric, I guess, odd. Because since I, I give myself a lot of leeway to think about my content, I don't worry about making the next deadline. So I take a lot more time than most writing their YouTube scripts. And I don't just follow what the algorithm wants us to do. I really try to make super original content. So that's where the series comes from. So I'll give you one, one example. Uh, Death Note is like my favorite show of all time. I've, I've always loved listening to that. Basically, it's a story about a guy who finds a notebook. And he finds out that he can kill people with the notebook. So it's, it has nothing, like, nothing to do with communication. But I just woke up one day and I was like, but is it really? Like, I'm sure it has something to do with community. So I just sat down, I thought about it for three hours and I found out three points, which I forgot most of them. I have to rewatch the video. But like one of them was how like when like the main character of the story kept escaping the police, he was always 10 steps ahead of the next person. The reason he was able to do that is he always prepares for the worst case scenario to happen. Like if somebody took his death note, like if somebody took his notebook, he had a whole drawer that would catch on fire. So that always stuck with me when I was 12 and I watched that series because now whenever I go in presentations, I always expect the worst thing to happen. Like whenever I go on a podcast, I expect the host to like yell at me and cuss at me. So if none of that happens, I go, wow, this is like a really easy interview. So it's always about changing our perspective to things and, and, and drawing those weird analogies. We have to be artists, right, of our craft. And I try to be. Years in advance, that's that's a lot. Definitely good. Yeah, that's a lot. That's it. That's good. And doing that, is there like a different way when you're doing like those um, channel versus doing it in person? Is there any different differences in it? Differences between filming the YouTube videos and giving a speech in person? Is that yeah. what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a massive difference. The biggest difference is audience. Uh, when I, Like on YouTube, I have an audience of one when I'm filming, which is my director. If I didn't have him, oh my God, I would hate presenting in front of videos. I like audiences. Like I feed off of the energy of other people. I'm very extrovert, as you can tell, right? <laughs> very extrovert. It's kind of obvious. So, so for me, in-person audience, I mean, I do much better. But I think the reason that Danny's my creative director, so having Danny in the in the background that I can like look at while I'm filming really helps me for sure. But that's those are the biggest differences. So if you if people are challenged with video and getting energy, I recommend presenting in front of an audience. Just have people in the room, and that helps bring up the energy levels a bit. All right, Kevin, say keep your this is comedy show. So yeah. this is comedy show, but it has a crowd, so you can have to have that crowd feedback. Absolutely, you got it. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of weird speaking to a camera and nobody's there, and you're just like, if you if you're not in the flow and you stop thinking about it, like, I'm speaking to nobody. Hundo, hundred percent, man. Is is that? And by the way, I struggle with this too. 
like once again, you know, I have the receipts to prove this. I'm not just saying this because people usually don't believe me when I say this because they go, Brennan, you're like the founder of Mastruck. Like, of course, you're no, no, no. Like my, my first videos are up there. I literally sound like this. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, so I started Master Talk. Like, like I didn't no idea. Even if I was one of the great speakers of, you know, in the city, in the country, whatever you want to call it. When I started a new medium, I sucked. Like I was terrible at it. I had to relearn everything from scratch. And that's really the point I want to drive for people, Ezekiel, is you got to put out the output and you got to optimize your life in a way that forces you to practice. So for me, it was, I did like an IG story every day in the first year of my YouTube channel, just to practice. Hey guys, this is what I'm thinking about today. See you tomorrow. Hey guys, I met this guy named Ezekiel. He's a cool guy. He asked me some questions. It was really nice. See you tomorrow. Like I literally just say something, but after you do that 500 times, you get really talented on camera really fast. Yeah. So yeah. Because from uh like well, I guess I'm saying for me with communication, I always suck at like in-person communication, like giving speeches. But I was like new sometimes I had to work towards and like just kids keep doing it even though it's gonna be horrible. And then I got to the point where it could be done. It's just that it's either I'm gonna get the information but I'm gonna have no emotions. I'm just have a blank face and you're gonna get the information or I could be energetic. But my points aren't going to be as clear and concise because I'm going to be like rambling. Mm, I love that, brother. Yeah, man, I, I completely agree with you. It's and kudos to you, man, for even starting the podcast. You know, that's what that's really the best way to get better is you just practice over time, just creating content. And then over time, you just get better because I sucked at, at it, too. Like, I know it sounds like I'm really proficient now. Dude, I've been on like four or five hundred podcasts. Like, it's not like overnight. And I've been on some weird podcasts, like some real <laughs> weird shit. I remember this one show. I was on weirdos.tv. I had no idea what to sign up for. I literally get on this call and the guy had like just his head. And it was like, what? And he like made me do poems. It was really bizarre. But that's the thing, man. As you do these reps, you just get better at adapting your energy, man. And, I, and I'm sure you're a lot better now than you were in episode one. Yeah. Got more comfortable with it. There you go. So you're like the best example of this for, for the audience listening. It's like, look, Ezekiel made a ton of progress in episode one. That's really the point. The point is not perfection. The point is progress. The worst thing that people can do listening to this is to not do anything, right? Like if people book in 15 minutes to do the random word exercise and they do that a few times a week and they just do that for six months. I mean, there you go. Bam, bam. They'll just get much better at what they're doing. Yeah. And when speaking to people about feedback, How's that like trying to draw out the feedback feedback from them? Yeah, I would say so there's different types of feedback, feedback on the speech, feedback on making things better. So here's what I would start the conversation with. Uh, start doing the random word exercise a few dozens of times and don't keep don't keep track of the score in the sense of don't actually give yourself feedback. Just do it a hundred times. We don't get rewarded for doing it well, we get we get rewarded for just doing it. Like just do it quantity wise. And then once you get to like 50, 75 times, then start asking for feedback. And the way that you do it is really simple is you force negative feedback or points of improvement. So let's say you're coaching me, Ezekiel, I would ask you something like this. If you had to change one thing about my delivery, what would you change and why? So this type of question forces you to say something to make me better. Not, hey, can you give me feedback? Because then you're just going to say, hey, Brennan, great job, man. Keep it up. Instead, I'll go, Ezekiel, if you had to change one thing, if you had to remove one part of my podcast interview today, 
what would you remove and why? If you had to cut out three minutes of what I said, what three minutes would you cut out? What was the least valuable thing? Then you're like, oh, Brendan, I can't. But that's the thing. That's what you get. That's what you need to ask to get that type of feedback. And the other piece is just optimize one thing at a time. Get feedback on just the random word exercise. Don't get feedback on everything else. And then get really good at that one thing. Like for you, that one thing is podcast hosting. Okay, get really good at introducing guests. Then get really good at concluding a show. Then get really good at asking amazing questions. And then do it one thing at a time until that thing is really, really good. And that's what creates momentum and excitement for what you're doing. Got it. And working with somebody else, how's that? As Working a director, with- the director. Oh, oh, for the for the YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. Dude, no one asked me that question. Interesting. <laughs> it's it's really good, man. I think I think for me, a couple of things that come up there. Number one is as creators, the best creators are the most self aware. They understand their strengths, but more important, their weaknesses. And let me go into my weaknesses. Let me keep my strengths short. I, I'm really strong on camera talent. I have very unique thought leadership, and I'm also very young. In relative to my space, which means I have a huge advantage over every, everyone else in the world who wants to do what I do. Because I'm seven years into the business and I'm 26. Like, it's crazy, right? But now that I've gone to my strengths, let me make a, a list of my crap ton of weaknesses. Uh, I can't edit for shit. Like, I can't edit videos. I hate doing it. Uh, I'm really bad when I, I'm not speaking in front of somebody. Like, podcast is great for me because I could talk to somebody. But if I'm alone, I, it just sucks. I'm so bad at camera. Like, the whole, like putting the setup oh my god like these lights took me forever to buy like i'm just so bad at at the setup and the onset i'm really bad at dressing myself people literally have to dress me my danny picks my clothes or else i would look horrible in these videos and i'm terrible at just lighting setup all that stuff so those are a couple of weaknesses so instead of trying to fix them i just go can i pay someone to like fix this for me what is this going to cost me and I have somebody else bridge the gaps. And then the last piece was in terms of hiring. So Dan is one of my good friends. I've known him for six years. That's why he's a good relationship. So he doesn't charge me a lot of money because we have an we have a you know we have a personal relationship. So I think the key is you got to hire out your weaknesses. Obviously, that's easier said than done. A lot of people are broke, and I was pretty broke when I started Master Talk too. And I pay him like pretty well, you know, like thousand, two thousand dollars a month now to do my YouTube channel. So I, I get it. A lot of people don't have that kind of money, right? I'm with you. But I was paying him that check even when I didn't have a lot of money. Like I was making 40 grand after tax. So I made what 70 grand a year at IBM. And after tax, it was 40. That was my take-home salary. I took 10 grand out of that 40 and I would pay it to Danny. That's a lot of money for somebody who's making 40 after tax. So even back then when I didn't have a lot of money, I was still writing a big check. I was just, I was just cutting down my other expenses like not moving out of my mom's house. I still live there because the thousand dollars a month that I could be renting out somewhere else. I pay that to Danny every month. Right. That's, that's the point is cause I, cause I really prioritize that. And in terms of my relationship with him, I mean, he's awesome. I mean, I couldn't say better things about the guy. He is super talented He's very strong at everything I'm weak at. Like he's very good at production. I mean, we know that from the YouTube videos. He does all of it. He's a one-man show. That's why I pay him premium to do it. And I, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't picture anything without him, man. He is, he is the reason I'm successful. I feel a lot of people, content creators don't give enough credit to their teams. 
I'm not like that. Like I'm very big on my team. Like when I get my hundred K plaque, which is going to be the next few years, he, I'm going to buy him one. He deserves it just as much as I do. Sounds like Will Smith and Jesse Jeff when Will Smith had the song, his, D, his DJ, he was um, bringing up his DJ. He's like, yeah. Right now, I'm just a one-man show until I get a budget and then I can be like, hey, people, let's work together. That's the key. I mean, I mean, Daddy tells me this all the time, man. That's why loyalty is important. Even if I, was, I went to zero, let's say something happened to my business, he'd still make my videos for free. Right, so I, I think I don't think it's really about the money. Obviously, I want to pay him, and yeah. I do. But but I think because you know I have to pay his rent. But <laughs> but I think I think the key is more, uh, the more it's what's the vision behind what you're doing. Because if the vision isn't big enough, people won't help you. Like the reason Danny helped me, a he was a friend, so he's going to support me regardless. But like I had a mission. Like it was like, hey man, it's I'm not just trying to make prank videos here. I'm really trying to change the world. I'm serious. I was in my basement for a year. Like before I hired Danny, I was doing the shit every weekend on my own in the basement. Now, man, I got the energy. I made like 50 videos. He's like, okay, cool. I, I got you. You're serious, clearly. You want to make this happen? And we did. I mean, I mean, he started working with me and I had a thousand subscribers, like thousand, thousand one hundred. And look at us now. So we're still growing and and we got it now. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, what else can I say? And also you can ask me questions if you have any questions. What's up? You can also ask me questions if you have any questions. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, the only question I have for you is what's your, why did you start your podcast and what's your vision for this going forward? So I started the podcast to get a job because after I graduated, I still didn't have like, anything lined up. And then I changed it to a more of a general podcast. And then I got a job in on media. So that's good. So right now I'm trying to re- redefine the podcast. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> Oh man, that's smart. That's smart, man. Dude, kudos to you, man. You're you're a legend, man. You, you start a podcast to get a job. <laughs> I fucking love that. And, and you got the job, so congrats, man. Wow, that's really smart. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now what? Now I'm trying to figure that out as I continue to do it. Wow. Well, congratulations to you, man. Thanks. That's, that's big. What are you doing for the media company? Uh, I'm in radio advertising um, um investment, so pretty much getting the um the clients like ads onto the radio with different um national radio stations. So I pretty much have to do invoicing, but like I work with the planner, so I'm on the Dude, team. That's awesome, man. Proud of you, man. That's dope. Thanks. That. <laughs> yeah, this is funny. Just like some of people people saw a podcast to talk and talk with their friends. I was like, money, but not like. No, but- that's the biggest thing I learned from you because I always learn something from every host. And I think the biggest thing I learned from you, that's a story I'm going to share with my clients because a lot of them are scared to start their own podcast. I'm going like, look, this kid, he started a podcast, get a job, he got a job. And I was just doing a podcast. He took action, right? That's the difference between you. And those guys have I've been training for years and they're still scared shitless of podcasts. You just said, fuck it. Let me just start a podcast. Yeah, I had that idea in August and then I started recording in December, releasing Dom. January 2020, and I was like, okay. How long did it take you before you got the job? Uh, I got it June 2021. Wow. A year and a half. Six months. No, a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay, wow. That's consistent. Were you consistent every week for 18 months? Uh, I do season, so. Uh, Okay, gotcha. So I do do 30 episodes a year. Okay, dude. That's that's amazing, man. Congrats, man. You're you're the epitome of success. (laughs) I love it. I was like, it worked out. Now what? Now I, just have a, <laughs> I have an expensive hobby right now, but 
that's awesome, man. <laughs> you get you get my stamp of approval. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome, man. <laughs> it's just funny telling people that hey, I got I did it. Now what? I don't know. Hey man, I did case competition to get a job too. I don't I don't judge that. You know, and then and then I got a job and I said the same thing. Now what? I'm making six figures, so now what do I do? So yeah, I made a put some money in investments, it grew, and I was like, okay, now what? And and that's when MasterDoc came. So like I don't I don't I don't neglect that. That's literally what happened to me. Just not podcasting something else. Yeah, but like I feel like also like people are like there's a momentum here. I just need to figure out how to like capitalize on it. That's awesome, man. I mean, you've already won in my books. <laughs> like I did it. I mean, like, even if you stopped the podcast, you still yeah. win, man. You got the job. So, are you still living with your parents? Yeah, dude, you're winning, man. What the hell? You're winning. You're oh, you have no overhead. You just invest the money. Just put your money in an index fund. Look up what index funds are. Yeah. Invest. <laughs> That's it, man. You won life. <laughs> like I did it. Yeah, I'm just like that was just after reflection though. I was like, what am I feeling? Then I went back to the first start of why I saw the podcast. I was like, oh right, it was to get a job. That was the first start. At first it was animation, then I switched it up. But yeah, mm. you're a funny guy, man. I love it. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like that's an unusual strategy. I'm gonna try that one day. It's funny. You're like, do you have any questions? For us? I was like, I asked you one and then 10 popped out. I was like, okay, tell me about the job. Tell me about all this. <laughs> like, I was okay. like, oh, didn't expect that. <laughs> Usually people just, what, what most people say about it, why they saw the podcast or stuff they're doing. They just say about passion, I'm guessing. And I was like, because the thing is I have like editing skills because I get like, I do graphics and stuff. I used to do graphics and stuff like that. So the software isn't new to me. And I knew a lot of people. So I was like, I can definitely get a lot of my friends, a lot of people, like professionals I met over the years. But hey, you want to talk? I just use all my skills and all my strengths. I was like, this can work out. That's dope, man. I'm proud of you, man. Look at you. Thanks. I didn't think too far. I was like, I can start it. Whatever happens, I'll just figure it out in a moment. But yeah. I mean, you figured it out, man. It's just funny. Your reaction to like, oh, you, you did it. Yeah. It worked out. Damn. There you go, man. It's a good episode. <laughs> so, yeah, we're coming up with time anyway. So, any last things you want to say before we end? Yeah, man. I think I think the last thing I would say to people is nothing replaces action. And I think it, Ezekiel is the best example of that. You know, if you don't take action, you don't get anything. If you don't practice the random verdict says you don't get anything. If you don't actually work on your communication skills, you don't get to the next level. But people underestimate output. So if you just put in the work, you're consistent on the show for 18 months, you'll get the opportunities you're looking for, whatever those opportunities are. So always have a bias for action is probably my final thought. Cool. And what would you name your origin story? I would name my origin story... The crazy kid who thought he could change the world and did. Nice. Great. And let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely, brother. So two easy ways. Number one is the YouTube channel. Just type master talk in one word. You'll have access to free videos on how to communicate. Second way is for those who are interested in coaching. Just join one of my free trainings on Zoom. We do them every few weeks. It's live. It's interactive. It's super fun. And it's free. And you can register for that at Rockstar communicator 
www.thinkingfromwithin.com. Got it. Make sure everybody goes. And thank you again for being a guest. Hey, thanks for having me, man. No problem. That brings another episode of the Let's Get the Podcast to a close. Again, you can find more information about Master Talk by clicking the link in the description below. For next week, I have Victoria Gallinger to speak about being an author and much more. Hope you're doing that day, and I hope to see you there.